Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. It's called Waking Up to Money because of its double meaning. Uh, we record these podcasts every Wednesday morning when we think most people are waking up. And what we talk about is the idea of waking up to your relationship to money and how that impacts how you do pricing in your business. So we believe that if you can shift that relationship, you can price your products and services in a way that positively impacts your business and the lives of your clients. We record these podcasts live so that we can invite guests to ask questions too. This means you'll hear about challenges and situations from people like you, and we ground the ideas and tactics we share in real-world situations. We hope you'll find these episodes a valuable resource as you try to work out what it means to price more powerfully and confidently. Our hope is by sharing these ideas, we'll stop you getting in your own way of making the money and impact that you want to make in your business. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is a beautiful, sunny day here in Hove. There it is. Is it, is it nice in your part of Hove? Look, the sun is there. It's not there. there oh, I thought, and I thought, <laughs> time lapse. Was, I just thought it was a sun lamp. <laughs> uh, it's very nice in my part of Hove. I uh, had a nice walk on the beach this morning. Sun was shining. Sea was calm. Look good. Ah, oh, I was. I I went down to the beach yesterday for the first time in ages, and it was it was like a sheet of glass, so flat. Yeah. And then I saw someone on a sailing boat, not going very fast because there's not very much wind, but that kind of that feeling of like calm. It's mm. got that sense, you know, just that, and you're just bobbing along, floating along through life. Yeah, bobbing through life. There we go. Bobbing through life. Actually, last <laughs> night we had um, we run uh, the Soul Cafes. You, have you never joined one of one I've of never joined them. Have no. you? Fun, fun thing. Really, really interesting stuff. So yesterday we were talking about struggle uh, and and our relationship to struggle, and even like what what is the purpose of struggle in life? Uh, and I had this, you know, in one sense, my 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 takeaway. Was actually um, ultimately struggle is is we don't want struggle or it is not useful in terms of some people think oh we need to have struggle in order to improve but actually I believe struggle is very much around resistance mm. when we resist what is when we resist the situations that we're facing and we and we essentially create more challenge than there needs to be or more effort than there needs to be because of an internal narrative mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then then that struggle but when you let yourself go to we're doing an all-nighter having a difficult conversation feeling some you know challenging feelings and not judge it and not push it away then you don't struggle yeah have you do you do you know have you heard heard no read any of the psychologist Gabor Mate ever come I've across? I've heard him? of them, but not read of the, him his stuff. Right, so, so he I think he's he's mainly an addiction sort of specialist. But anyway, I was listening to an interview he was talking about, and uh, along the lines of sort of struggle because he was really talking about stress. So stress and struggle, same thing, and actually how really we get addicted to stress. So we get addicted to struggle because mm -hmm. we are basically. We're kind of sort of so uncomfortable with the kind of feeling with, with those feelings kind of going away because yeah. we've had it so kind of just sort of drilled into us for so long 
that yeah. actually we get addicted to the need for struggle and so addicted yeah. to the need for stress. So kind of wander around rather than bobbing along on in our little yeah. sailing boats, we're actually kind of constantly looking for the for the storm. Mm. Well, that's another point that came up yesterday was the idea of acceptance. Mm. And so one of my stories is like, oh, if everything is going well now, the shit <laughs> is on its way. Yeah. <laughs> so suddenly, ah, oh, I can't enjoy this because it's going to be really bad in a bit because of the universal balance that yeah. shit and good has to always equal out. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a really common one. I remember talking to a friend of mine who uh, also runs runs his own business, and because you know, given that he, like early on he's running a business, he lives in Brighton as well. And there was one time I remember him saying really early, he was so stressed out. He was down on the seafront. It was a really windy rainy day. He was literally holding onto the railings of the seafront with the kind of storm raging around him, and it just like just so much sort of stress and worry, and had a sort of young family at the, at the kind of at the time and then there was that kind of point fast forward many se several years later where everything was really kind of good but he still has that memory in his mind of at some point the railings kind of storm is going to come back mm. so there that is a that's i think that's quite a common thing isn't it that's trauma isn't it that's trauma <laughs> <laughs> actually Lawrence just made a little comment here uh enjoyed i assume a oh book yes body very good there. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's his book, one of his books. Okay, and then this, so and the, what I've learned about this whole idea of uh, trauma being stored in the body, not just the mind, and that how we get a physical reaction to stuff. And I I didn't really understand that for a while, but the thing that really helped me um, connect, at least this real strong connection between something we feel and an experience or a thought, is like listening to like a tune from my teenage days particularly one that might be involved heartbreak or kind of rejection and then suddenly bring brought, brought back physically to that space or that time and then just and maybe smelling the smells hearing hearing the music and then feeling that i don't know whatever that feeling was whether it's elation or anxiety is like god that's powerful mm, yeah. yeah 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 kind of buried buried deep buried deep yes mm. like our money stories very deep <laughs> Exactly. Trauma. <laughs> our money trauma. Oh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the trauma that is the happy pricing course. <laughs> now, th this is uh, the last uh, episode in this season. I'm going to call it this season of Waking Up to Money. And we thought, given that we're doing the course next week, uh, and we're going to be running through it with, with the next cohort, we'd kind of share what we've learned by creating this course because this is a quite new course we only started last december the first time we did it and uh we've been learning along the way uh and essentially trying to practice what we preach sometimes failing sometimes doing well <laughs> but always learning um so we thought we'd tell you the story about that and just share that and and, the, and how that applies to what we're trying to communicate uh on the program uh, and in the meantime, we'd love to hear uh, any questions, reflections. Uh, and if you want to come up and, you know, you have a particular challenge you're dealing with that might relate to what we're talking about, or doesn't at all, um, and this specifically maybe around launching a course or pricing a new service or maybe getting out of this rut of feeling like you're not essentially making the money that you feel you need to make. 
uh, and there's something you can see it possible, but for some reason it's not happening. So if you're in that position, please just uh, ask your question in the comments, um, uh, and we'll invite you to to sort of bring you on on live to ask to have a chat. But in the meantime, Ben, do you want to do you want to start with the origin stories, or where do we want to start this? <clears throat> Where do we want to start this? That's good. So um, let's start last year rather than kind of going too far, too far back. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> exactly. So the real origin story. Um, yeah. So uh, so we, you and I, Carlos, were have been talking about this. So I kind of came and sort of did. We did a fireside chat or one of your uh, one of your happy startup. Um, Friday conversations around money because I'd obviously been with you guys on the 2020 program, uh, 2020 vision program. And actually one of the really great outputs from that was kind of me sort of connecting to some of the knowledge that I'd picked up uh, over the years of running my last business and thinking, okay, actually one of the first and most useful things for me to do is to start getting that knowledge out of my head as much to kind of create space for some new things to kind of flow. And one of the, one of the things that I kind of reminded myself of was uh, having spent a kind of long time thinking about kind of money and how it relates to the running of my business, how it relates to how easy or not we are to buy and how likely it is that our clients are buying from us. And so this kind of kind of swirling pit of knowledge had been kind of important in running my last business. And I was kind of reminded of that by spending the kind of time with you guys on the 2020 vision program. So I thought, yeah, it'd be kind of good to try and offer some kind of teaching and courses because I've been doing a bit of kind of one-to-one -one work with people on some of these issues. And so I thought, okay, so definitely kind of felt like there was a, a sort of useful thing to do. Um, and then you and I started uh, sort of talking about this and what we might do. And we kind of did a few um, crowdcast things last year and then decided that we would um, try and turn the knowledge that I had kind of put together into into a course. And so I guess that took us to sort of some point towards the end of last year. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, and, you know, the first thing, you know, we did was have some conversations with people mm. and, and just understand a little bit as to what the challenges were. Because, um, you know, by the book, what we wanted to try and do is like uh, – who is who who are we talking to who is the customer that we want to to serve and i think the default the easiest thing at least in my head was like me when i was running my agency or me trying to do coaching at the moment mm -hmm. because there's a real connection to the under you know to that situation and i think that was um kind of a part of this idea that we talk about on the course of getting into the the mind or the shoes of the customer mm -hmm. yeah um and that was and and in absence of doing lots of rigorous surveys and and you know customer development interviews it was kind of like tapping into what would i want and what would i need is that fair mm. yeah 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 definitely because i think actually <clears throat> whilst there's a whole there's a range of different things on the course and some specific things that people get they were kind of three pretty key sort of foundational points you know the idea that on the course we talk about it as pricing the client not the job but obviously that that translates when you're selling a course or more of a kind of product based thing about just the importance of understanding 
your customers' motivations, understanding the specific things that they are trying to change. So kind of focusing less on the kind of what of what we do, less on the it's about pricing, you're learning about pricing, and more about trying to understand, well, what is it that the customer is, is trying to change? So if that is the kind of first thing, the, the second thing is really about the questions that you ask to understand that. And the third thing is about, well, how do I put all of that together in a way which makes it easier for that customer to buy? And it's that that's the kind of sequence that we sort of teach on the course. And um, <clears throat> I think, you know, if we had, I think in, in truth, we probably didn't follow that process to the letter. Because, you know, we start, like you say, you start with some sort of insight. Oh, I think it's good for these people. But, you know, I'm also a bit of a sort of, you know, got the attention span of a goldfish and or a kind of puppy. So then also get quite sort of distracted along the way. You then start speaking to someone and you go, shit, actually, this is really kind of useful for you too. And then all of a sudden, what starts as like a, a sort of a rough picture in your mind, like you say, oh, I think about myself when I was running my agency, or I think about a similar kind of thing, then kind of distracted by someone else. Oh, but actually, for you in this situation, it would be really good for these reasons. And so already you're kind of you're 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 kind of off into the reality of life. And so what is the the kind of simple structure of the framework that we talk about? Then you know it's easy to kind of lose sight of that in the in the kind of in the doing. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I think it's kind of I guess that's the kind of first point to kind of remember. It's easy to lose sight of these things in the kind of thrust of doing when you're actually focused on a kind of endpoint, I want to get people to join us on a course that becomes a kind of that becomes the pull essentially. Uh, and it's easy to kind of to kind of forget the good practice that uh, is kind of central to what we teach. Another pillar, I think, around this, which is um, what, what I connected to when we were talking was uh, firstly, when when we were first, you know, particularly in the 2020 vision program, you know, we talked about this idea of yours that the Buddha in the boardroom, uh, and this real and you know what I understood was this kind of real struggle of the founder. You know, the challenges that that affect someone in leadership, some of them within the business, whether it's big or small. But you know, there's a there's a mess of stuff, um, and there's a real desire to help whatever way you could. And the other thing was around you know this identifying people who are purpose driven particularly those kind of people having a challenge around money and around pricing because of this conflict between the need to help and the need to create a sustainable business and how a lot of the time we, as people who want to help, are more likely to sacrifice our own well-being and our own sort of uh, baseline of Maslow's hierarchy of needs in order to, to help others. And so the, there was this, you know, one element was very, this. I heard this real creative need. And then when you start talking to people, what you're talking about, then seeing these opportunities. Mm. And they think, okay, oh, yeah, but then with agency founders, there's this issue. And actually, if they could price more uh, effectively, they could actually make a lot more money, which then makes this the value proposition of the course a different, you know, certain value proposition. So you can price at different levels. Well, you can price at another level because of the very easy tangible figure of a story and the story you could attach to that um when it comes to selling something like this does, does that make sense mm, yeah 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 so yeah kind of losing not not kind of holding a which i guess makes sense in some ways yeah. not holding why well, i say that and then i was wondering whether that was true well i'll say not, not kind of holding really as a kind of fixed idea what it is and who it's for uh, and just but actually kind of then 
partly responding to conversations which kind of happen along the way and partly just kind of chasing chasing your tail a little bit because yeah. i think yeah what you're sort of talking about actually kind of points to the sort of different things we were juggling really which is on the one hand yes a kind of a a kind of a wish a desire to help people who were running you know purpose led businesses pe- businesses or you know work which is very much in service of somebody else kind of helping those people because people who kind of run businesses which were only interested in profit have spent a lot of time thinking about a lot of these money things and they use that to their advantage and part of what we were talking about is actually it is kind of it's important that actually some of this knowledge is then shared with people who are more socially motivated or more purpose more broadly purpose motivated so that they can enjoy this too but of course the thing that happens for those people would like you say is they might compromise on their own needs but also there is a kind of feeling in many instances that money is dirty uh, Mm. and that profit is not the point Um, but of course that's not true either but you see already in that just as we're sort of talking about it you can see actually two quite different sort of potential audiences and two quite different um, outcomes and quite different motivations that all of those that those audiences would have. And given that that is the first thing that we talk about and teach on the course, really understanding the motivation, really understanding the outcome, really understanding the thing that your customers and clients want to change. Actually, what we're sort of talking about here is actually quite different people <laughs> with quite different outcomes and quite different kind of motivations and things that they want to change. And this, for me, points to a really challenging pricing conundrum in terms of the way I see it. In an ideal world, in an enlightened world where all of us, you know, can uh, a bit released from jealousy and money stories, you price like a course like this would be personalized to each individual. A bit like we say in the course is like we really understand the value to you, your capacity to pay, your real understanding of how much, uh, um, but what those numbers mean to you, and then you you pay that much. So whether that's worth a hundred pounds to someone because then they can increase their income to maybe a couple of thousand pounds for that year, or it's two thousand or five thousand pounds to someone else because they're going to increase their income by fifty thousand pounds that year because of this mm-hmm. knowledge. But then in the in a world of like, okay, you're gonna have a price somewhere and you've got to be able to manage this in a way that makes sense. There's this real tension. There's this thing, okay, well, we're gonna have one price. But that feels like a, a bit of a false thing. And there's this thing around trying to navigate, you know, in an ideal world, navigate all the different types of customers. But at some point you have to say, okay, we 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 need to we need to make it simple and easy for, for people to buy this, which mm-hmm. then has to be a certain figure. And that is, mm-hmm. is going to be dictated by a narrowing of an audience. And am I confusing issues here? I'm just trying to maybe just give a bit more insight as to this isn't an easy job. No, no, you're not not confusing things. But actually, no, you're not confusing things. But now I'm going to confuse things. Um, so, <laughs> um, the thing that was I, I was kind of reminded of as you were talking there about, you know, ideally everything would, you know, it would be a kind of pay what it's worth to you. It's, it's in some respects what you were sort of talking about. So the organisation I have, which provides uh, meditation courses and sort of meditation sessions, so that is. Uh, an organization the, the the teaching the meditation teachings are all in the buddhist tradition and so in the buddhist tradition everything is provided on dana on donation on generosity uh, and so 
every all of those meditation courses, oh, not the courses, I come all, all of the uh, classes, the meditation classes, and they, they happen every morning and on the weekend. They're all provided on on donation, on generosity. So in effect, everybody everybody is self-selecting a little bit that they are paying what it's worth for them. And of course, the thing that happens is most people don't pay anything at all because that's how these things kind of go. Uh, and um, and some people kind of do. But even within that, actually, the thing that we found is if you just left it completely open, people actually were overwhelmed by the choice. So it's actually, it made it harder for them to, den- to donate even if you just do simple things like say it is donation, you can pay whatever you want. You can pay nothing if that's what you want to pay. Uh, and here is some kind of recommended, three recommended amounts that you might donate. Just the act of giving, of closing down people's choice a little bit does make it much easier for them to to spend the money, even though there is no obligation on them to do so. And many still don't pay anything at all. But actually many more do pay when you do help control the the comparisons a little bit more, but I appreciate I've completely veered off. So no, I no, I think, I think you grounded well, exactly what I was saying here in terms of how we try to make ourselves easier to buy, and and this is what I think where I was. I think I spun us out a bit because in an ideal world, like you say, is pay what it's worth to you, but that requires the person who's buying to have a clear understanding of that value, and so for me, what part of this course is about? What I've learned of this course is our job as people who are value creators is to educate the people that we want to help into that understanding of that value for them. Mm. And so if we just say, this is what I do, pay what you want, it puts, I, you know, it definitely puts me in a spin unless I've spent some time thinking about exactly, this is how much it's going to worth for me. This is how much money I have to spend. This is where I'm going to go with this, this program, this course, this garden furniture. <laughs> it's like whatever mm. it is, it's like you have a, you, you start to, when you have done that thinking, it's easier. But if you haven't, then I think it is on the onus for us to, like we said, of course, ask the correct questions, you know, really understand the, through asking questions, not only about helping you figure out the price, but helping the other person understand the real value. Because one of the things that we talk about is dealing with objections. And and the classic objection, you know, is like, oh, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have the money. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe you can talk a bit to that. What does that mean in reality for a lot of people? Yeah. So the thing around that, the thing around objections generally, and so I guess just one quick thing to say just before I answer that specific specific point. Um, I think like you're talking about, you know, our job is to, through questions, to kind of to under, to help the person we're speaking to and ourselves understand value. That that, you know, that is a long process, actually. Uh, and, you know, actually, like the thing that, like we've been talking to people, the people who are joining this cohort now, who we've been talking to for six months, uh, maybe more, and you know that weren't right for whatever reason. wasn't Timing wasn't right last time. But the, the kind of the trust and the the comfort and the understanding of what we're doing gets to a point, and everybody kind of gets to that point differently. For some people, like there were people who joined the course last time who there was no sort of real history, so to speak, but there's something in the message which resonates straight away, and they're comfortable to kind of do it. 
But actually, there's other people who really are much more comfortable dancing around the edge, and that you know they need you know they need and want more dialogue, and the, all the dialogue with them helps qualify and helps us understand it more as well. So that you know that process of earning the trust, I guess, is what what it is, and and earning the understanding is you know is is a is a is a long term thing. And um, so that was just the the one thing. Now you asked me a question. Oh yeah, the objections, the objections point. Um, so I think the thing that generally happens whenever we're trying to sell anything is um, people don't, well, the first and most important thing is people don't like being sold to. Like you don't say, you'll reference the garden furniture. You know, you don't say, I went to the shop and I was sold garden furniture. You say, I went to the shop and I bought garden furniture. That You know, it's the thing that you do, not the thing that somebody else does to you. Uh, and so, of course, nobody likes being sold to. Um, but equally, it is, you know, the, on, the onus on all of us running our own business. We do need to help people buy. We do need to we do need to sell things. And generally, people use objections because it's a defense mechanism. It's a way of buying themselves some time, uh, either to kind of understand more or just to kind of just to kind of like literally hold hold you away a little bit. Like I'm saying no, like give me give me a little bit of space. Because basically what really people are saying when they say no is I don't know actually. So not N-O, you know, I don't know. And by saying no, it just gives me the space to to kind of work it out. And of course, there might also be many reasons why they are not going to do something at that moment. But often when people say no, it's just because they want a little bit more space. Or, or, or then this particularly links to the money thing, like you're saying, if they say, if somebody says, I can't afford it, actually, what they're saying is, the benefit, as I understand it, of everything that you're doing, doesn't yet exceed the cost of doing it. And the benefit of it needs to really very significantly exceed the cost for me to feel safe to go, now I step into it. Now I will do it. And so really when people say, I, I can't afford it, and of course in some instances they can't, but actually for the figures like for what we're doing, for mo most people, given you know what we know to be the outcome, but that's the important thing, actually most people can afford it. Um, when they say I can't afford it, it's because they don't yet feel the benefit of doing it significantly, materially, outweighs the cost of it. They don't understand that. Mm. So then the onus is on us to say, okay, so that's our, that's our, that sits with us. We've not yet communicated enough, helped you understand enough the benefit of doing it so that that balance is kind of tipped. And that's, you know, for me, I think of our conversation with Wolfgang last week and around, um, it's that how do I communicate that story? How or actually, how do I communicate the benefit, which usually is in story? Mm, how do yeah. I communicate that benefit in a way that it makes sense? Oh my gosh, this isn't just something that I'm going to benefit from now. It has repercussions and echoes into my future. I will benefit again and again and again. So, like with Wolfgang's thing around, oh, at bare minimum, he needs to charge fifteen hundred euros. I think it was something like that. Anyway. Mm -hmm. To, to break even and make it worth his time. Actually, when talking to the person who's going to benefit from the retreat and thinking, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be less grumpy. My wife is going to be more uh, appreciative of me and I'm going to feel more happier in my family. I'll be better a person with my work colleagues. I'll probably be able to be more creative, be more energized, have, a, you know, my life will feel just big shift. Mm, How much yeah. is that one? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and actually this came up as well, I think about a month ago. Um, 
I think David joined us and we were talking about selling coaching. He's a, he, he was selling coaching as well, like a, a kind of a higher ticket coaching um, coaching thing. And we were sort of same sort of thing we were talking about there, which is, you know, the, to, to really understand, well, what is it, you know, in that instance, same kind of thing. It was like you know, people had a, a sort of a sort of transition point in their kind of careers. They've made it with a certain level of external success. And now they kind of feel like they want to kind of, you know, it's somehow that that's kind of not enough. And the coaching that they were talking about was about that sort of transition. And it's the same kind of thing you were referencing there with Wolfgang. You need to you need to tap into what actually is their motivation? What actually is it that your customer or client wants to change? Because there is something they want to change there is a state that they want to be different and it mm. might be about the relationship at home it might be about relationship with children it might be about more time but if it's about more time what is the more time for and actually when you start to get into all of these things you start to you the the, the true motivation is revealed uh, or, or is increasingly revealed and as the true motivation is revealed you can start to understand actually what the financial value of that is. And it might not be absolute. It might not be as clear as, well, I want to do this, therefore that's worth 20,000 euros or whatever it might be. You might need to kind of explore those things a little bit to start to try and put some value on it. Um, but uh, it's in that true motivation is the important, the important insight. And um you know, this it just isn't just about services. I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, well, in terms of like these higher ticket item services. I was thinking about Saskia and her membership, and she was. She, mm. I think her question was around, you know, should I charge less to get more people, or the opposite is, I could get fewer but higher rate. And it, I, it reminds me of the post I shared earlier this week uh, about 100 true fans, mm. and and there it's really, you know, maybe it is with her community and her courses, it isn't charging maybe like 29 euros a month. It could be charging 99 euros a month or even 199 euros a month if you understand what is it that, you know, that real shift or outcome, the, the benefit that, that people are looking for. Uh, and, and in this post, I'm just trying to have a look at it. You know, some people just want connection or they value connection highly or they they want tangible results and they want steps or i think another thing that they talk about here is so direct access to you closer access to you mm. and so the way if you are able to tell that story of the outcomes you want to create particularly in the community you know there's a, a level where uh, you can achieve the outcome but at your own pace or you can achieve it with a bit more structure, or you can achieve it with me personally helping you, mm. that suddenly yeah. opens up your ability to define or create choice, but also tap into, actually, it's about the end goal. It's not about, you know, well, this is this how you get there. There's what you do, but ultimately it's, it's understanding what is that and how the speed and the outcome of that person, what that the person's looking for, what is that, and and how do they want to enjoy it in a sense or, or get there? Mm. I think I, I might have complicated things a bit more, but I think ultimately, it's like rather than saying, okay, it's a community, it's a course, courses cost this much, communities cost this much. For Saskia, is like, and I can, I think it was around knitting. I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's something. Yeah, right. around, That's what it's called. Yes, wool. Yes, all. Well, it was really about actually, I think, a sense of connection. It's, you know, there's something about an empowerment aspect of it. Um, 
And so with that, how do you use that message to define the value rather than the things? Yeah, so um, it's useful doing this webinar, actually, because I, in, when you said that, I remembered one of the things that we spoke about on the course last time, which we need to make a note to talk about this time, which you just articulated there, which is relevant to Saskia, is relevant to kind of anybody who's doing doing a course and or actually kind of offering kind of things one to one, because what you know what you're talking about there is really understanding people's motivation. And so like you say, people might be motivated because they want, like you say, they want the, the connection, that being with somebody is important. For some people, they might just want the knowledge they might like to do things on their own. You know, some people are like, no, 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 I don't, you know, don't bother me. I want to get on with this myself. And, uh, or the contrast is that other people, no, no, I want to do it in dialogue, in conversation. And one of the ways that I remember us talking about the kind of how you translate those different motivations, those different interests into prices is a sort of simple, it's a kind of I, we, you thing. So uh, like, you know, either we kind of do this together, which is kind of one of the options, or I kind of sort of teach you to do it, or I, I do it for you. And so actually one of the kind of the, the different kind of pricing levels, if, if you want me to kind of, you know, effectively sit on your shoulder and kind of essentially do it all for you there's one price tag for it if you want um to kind of sort of explore ways of, of kind of doing it doing it together then there is another kind of price tag to that and if you just want to be left on your own again there is another a different price tag for that too and so that sort of is useful because it, it what it's doing is it, it talks to the, your customer's motivation it's not about the thing that you do. They're getting the same knowledge, the same kind of insight, but it's just one of the ways that we talk about understanding how your customer's motivation is the thing that determines what they want to spend. Yeah. Yeah, for a question I'd have for anyone who would be thinking about doing this course, uh, and even if you're doing it, it's like, how much would you pay someone to do this for you, to do your pricing for you? How much would that be in terms of not only cost, financially but your own time and that sense of uh safety around that choice because then you have to find the right person mm. and you're going to make sure that they're going to do the right work and you're going to pay them a certain amount of money and you've got to give you know interact with them to give them the right information and thinking about it, it's like actually one of the ways to look at this course is as well as maybe empowering yourself to do it all yourself you then have at least the grounding, the knowledge to actually, if you're going to take this another level, if you're going to work on this even more deeply, you'll have a much, you'll be able to make a decision more confidently because mm -hmm. you'll know what aspects are important to you. And you'll know when someone is telling you something that doesn't actually make sense or isn't, it isn't going to help your business the way they're talking about pricing. So that's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it just sprang to mind in terms of, you know, talking about what is the cost of not doing something as opposed to doing something and mm -hmm. where is that going to take you to? So, yes. Um, gosh, my wine went black now. Where are we now? <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> still Wednesday. It's still Wednesday. It's Wednesday. We had, we had a few points we want to, you know, we've covered, okay, uh, price the client, not the job. So really understanding and that and that messy aspect of like actually when you start we we talk about on 2020 start with who you know mm. start with you as opposed to someone else that's an mm. easy place to start but again it might not tell you whole, the whole story so there's something around okay really understanding the motivations and 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 the the outcomes that your client is trying to look for then uh, to do that 
You talk about using questions. Yeah, the, the questions that you have to kind of understand all of that. And so what you learn from that and then how you put the information together in a way which makes it easy for them to decide. Yes. And and that, and I think we, we touched on this idea. There's different motivations for different people, whether it's mm-hmm. speed, whether it's access, access to you, access to community, whether it's actually I want to do it myself. Those mm. are different indicators of value uh, yeah. to different people. And and choice. Choice is so important. Like because actually we were talking about I was talking about in the context of the meditation business that I have, the organization we have, you know, choice is is that you are controlling choices but offering choices, uh, which kind of sounds a little bit like a sort of a paradox but you know the choice is kind of really important um so you know yes you understand who they are and you understand the many different motivations that people have and you've understood that through the dialogue through the questioning process that you go through in order to um to kind of learn about what they are interested in then you use that information and you put it together in ways which talk to those different motivations and that that is about the choices that you put together and how you essentially become easier to buy yeah. uh, and so those are the the kind of the 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 three the three components and like anything you know, when you're learning something on your own and you're trying to do it and you're learning the concepts, uh, the challenge is always spinning out like yeah. we did. <laughs> Just, oh, they could do this. Oh, there's opportunities. And so doing this in a group or doing this with someone who can actually um, compassionately critique what you're doing or ask you questions so you can make sure that you're not essentially going in too many different directions. You've got a level of focus. I think that's really important. Uh, and again, a reason why the the course for us isn't just about the content. It's about doing this with other people, actually setting out some time, you know, because it's easy to procrastinate about this. You know, we said that in the last email. It's like when it's difficult, when it's awkward, the best, the easiest thing to do is not do it. Mm, just like, yeah. la, 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 la. I'll just continue. So when you commit to actually spending some time on it, you will learn something and you will get you will make some progress because you are uh th- you know essentially sharing ideas with other people and a lot of mm-hmm. the time we found actually being in that space where you offer help and you offer reflection and guidance to others you get clarity for yourself a lot of the time as well because you're essentially trying to teach what you really need to know yourself yeah yeah which is the kind of classic the classic teaching thing isn't it which is why i'm on the course <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of why we're doing it. It's like while we know the concepts, know the ideas, it's like the you only really truly understand them when you put your you know rubber to the road and you actually test these ideas. And we're doing it by doing the happy pricing course. We're also learning by helping all of you by getting people on the course, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Because again, there's no silver bullet with this. It will is all contextual depending on who you are in terms of where you want to get to with your business, but also who you're working with, the kinds of you know impact you want to create, the kinds of outcomes they're looking for, and the different types of you know markets that you want to address and and that journey. So that's all really interesting stuff as well for us to learn mm-hmm. how you how you tackle this in different ways. Yeah, and, and all I'd kind of add to that, I know after. Um, I got some feedback after um, some of the correspondence that we'd been sending out this week from somebody who I did quite a bit of work with, who kind of sort of in a totally kind of un kind of abashed way, basically totally picked apart how we were, how how essentially I was selling the course. 
because he so he's somebody also I've kind of worked with, so he knows what the kind of value of it is. But you know, he basically kind of picked. You know, the, we basically were kind of selling it in the wrong way. We weren't communicating, and weren't clearly communicating the kind of outcome. We weren't really identifying actually some of the many really tangible things that people would be able to change as a result of doing it. He called all, all of the correspondence way too soft, basically. And I, and I think one of the things kind of interesting for me is you know this is all a kind of learning thing because like you say it's it's a, the act the act of going to do this I kind of learn more about how to sell these things because there is kind of usefulness in it and how we sell things is linked to how we price things so you know it is a whole it's a really great it's been a great opportunity to kind of learn more for me even though loads of the kind of turnings that we've taken have been kind of wrong and run into quite a few walls. <laughs> well, part of this as well learning a bit more about myself um now for instance you know particularly around the objections knowing that my default thing is if i say all right it costs this much are you going to join us and they say no now feeling like okay no is not final and mm. no and me getting back to them isn't me being pushy it's all about learning uh either learning whether they're not 100 percent clear or learning that actually the way i've said something you know, doesn't communicate well, but so that next time I do it, I learn. So if I go back to someone now and say, okay, you said it's too much. Actually, um, this is what we want to help you with. Uh, or And they come back to me with something. Okay, actually, next time I email someone, I need to bear that in mind in the way I communicate something, not jump in with maybe the price or not jump in immediately with a discount or, you know, mm. there are different ways to deal with objections that isn't, uh, isn't me negotiating with myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And, you know, it's helpful you say it because the kind of reminder, so the by contrast, the thing for me is a, a lot of it actually going back to my own kind of money stories and what actually before, you know, the kind of that the kind of money was security story. And so then how that then affects how this was true, then even when I was running my business, it is true kind of everything. Now, if I'm not careful, my default is actually just to you know, feel like selling is becomes a little bit of a kind of matter of life and death in some ways, because mm. it's like, actually, I need to persuade people to kind of work with my company. Or I need to persuade people to do the course because there's a little voice somewhere hiding around, which is basically chirping away all the time. You know, oh, you need to do that. You need to do that because this sort of somehow money is security thing. Money yeah. is safety thing. And so, uh, you know, same for me in kind of doing these things, you know, that's the, that's the, if, if I'm not careful, that's the, the voice which kind of holds sway over things. And so, you know, by doing the course and teaching about it, it is a way of trying to keep a handle on that little voice for me as well. So it's a kind of, it's a really, it's a, it's a useful exercise, if, if quite alarming at times, yeah. because left to say that voice is really, you know, even though I've been thinking about and working on these things for 15, 20 years, that voice is a really fucking compelling one. It's a strong and, and you know, I was thinking the way you're talking there is like those those voices that I might project on other people that don't even have those voices. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm assuming yeah. straight away that they're scared to spend some money. Yeah. When actually I just didn't tell them exactly what's going on. Or maybe all they wanted to know is like what or what time of day is it happening? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, oh no, I'm taking their money and they're going to feel this. No, I just want to know, is it one o'clock or is it two o'clock? <laughs> I've got a meeting and that's why I can't do it otherwise. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I hope that's been useful. It's, it's been a bit of a one-way 
uh, with us today. I don't Thank you very much, Saskia, for uh, for sharing that. She says, so happy that she's decided to do this course and really figure out. Uh, um, uh, she's had to communicate her prices with confidence. So that is definitely something that we will help you with. And we, yes, something I look really, forward to that. We're really committed to. Um, and I think that combination of Ben's experience really with the money and the pricing um, my experience with community and what it means to actually sell community, we feel like we're in a very good place to help you with that. Um, and yeah, and, and anyone else, we've been thinking about this course, um, and as we've done, as we've sort of done it now, this is going to be the second time. You know, understanding the real value of it, and I, I'm more and more of the belief, particularly because I'm learning so much, like doing something like this, getting really confident with pricing how much how much more you could make in a year and not in the sense of oh, i want more money but then what like a, a classic the thing that we start off with the course is like and then what that will buy you in terms of what whether that's freedom space you know for me the the ability to um, play with courses like this the fact that we have something like 2020 that we you know we are very confident about and we're able to price quite powerfully has given myself and lawrence space to play with other things and the happy pricing course is one of them and the, the waking up to web uh, money one is another thing and it's, that is not only something that seems to be benefiting me but i feel like people who are listening to this and using this and working with ben it's 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 spreading sort of benefit there so it isn't like it just concentrates pricing well in one area just focuses on the business i think there's a benefit in my eyes anyway that spreads to other areas so I'm thinking about it in that way rather than just purely how can I make a more profitable business and put more money in the bank. I don't know any other thoughts around that, Ben, in terms of what what happy pricing could buy you. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Maybe we should we should incorporate that into the course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I think maybe just a final thing on the kind of origin story because part of the reason I really got into this was actually – my own uh the one of the uh meditation teachers who i've worked with for a very long time when i started working with him it's because he ran a course called work sex money dharma uh, and so it's basically about you know the three big pillars of our life kind of work sex relationships money and how they relate to dharma or kind of buddhist practice and uh it was really when kind of on doing that course a you and i got sight of kind of how important obviously those things are and there's you know they're so important that you tend not to you can easily not see them um uh, but actually it kind of shifted a huge amount for me in, in terms of what i saw and what i kind of understood and so to your point this thing around what we're talking about pricing now it links all the way back to that and you know it's what does more money buy it's a you know this kind of opens a door to actually so much about how easily or easeful our relationship is with our work and with the things that we do and we can see it in our relationship to money and I think for me the hope is in doing the course in spending time on these webinars and thinking about it is people start to shift that a little bit the lens shifts a little bit because in that shift in that opening up there is a kind of abundance of opportunity mm. I love that the abundance of opportunity I think more of that in our lives yes oh. Well, thank you very much, Ben. Um, yeah, the, we're looking forward to seeing the, all of you who are joining us next week are on the Happy Pricing course. And if you're interested in joining us, there's the click on the green button and you can sign up 
today we are closing enrollment on midnight uh, at midnight on friday 11:59 actually 11:59 sorry 11:59 <laughs> on friday the 23rd of april uh kicking off uh the course they used and what how did what was the information they got that was like that light bulb that like oh i could be pricing more or i could be pricing or I, you know it's not a match i would just love to hear an example mm -hmm. yeah so um you know i there's a, a few examples I can give so from my own my own experience of kind of running running my own businesses, which was really where a lot of what I've kind of sort of have been sort of teaching since is based on based on my own experience. And so the kind of commercial context is, is a little bit different. Some of those examples, it's more selling to selling to other businesses. Uh, but the, the kind of process is kind of broadly similar. So there was um, an example of a sort of a client of ours. They were a kind of big, a big American technology company. Um, we had a kind of ongoing relationship with them. Uh, we kind of we sort of spent a lot of time with them, so really understood what their kind of motivations for things were. We understood, you know, what the sort of context was to a lot of their, their business. We knew that they had a, a kind of big problem where they were trying to launch a new um, new product in China. It was trying to be managed from their headquarter building, their, their sort of headquarters team, and in California. So we knew that there were basically all of these kind of problems that were, were going on, which were linked to the relationship that the chief executive had with the team who was responsible for managing it in California, the relationship that they had with the team in Beijing, and there were all of these kind of parts that were not moving. We also knew that the product that they had been developing, they had spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars developing, and they were basically kind of run to this kind of problem. And so they needed to launch the launch the product. The product needed to launch on a certain date, but they were in this kind of impasse situation. And so somebody needed to kind of help them unblock this situation. And so we knew from kind of all the dialogue that we were having with them what the cost of the block was because they were racing towards this launch. They were not able to kind of affect the launch because the teams were not kind of working together in Beijing and in California. They were getting a lot of pressure from the chief executive. And so they basically, having invested hundreds of millions of dollars on this launch, were running into the situation where they could not deliver on what the chief executive was asking them to do. So the kind of cost to the team who was responsible for doing it was kind of very high because they were getting a lot of pressure from the chief executive. They wanted this problem to go away. Uh, and so we knew that they wanted this problem to go away. And we knew that we could help them do that because we were outsiders and we had a process and we had an understanding. We knew that there were ways that we could bring their teams together to kind of unlock this problem for them. And so in the conversation with them about kind of understanding, all right, well, you know, how much have you invested in this so far? The question that I provided already, you know, what's the kind of cost of, of kind of not doing this? What's the cost of getting this wrong? If you kind of do, the, you know, if, if this does go well, how will you know it's gone well? What are the success criteria that you're sort of applying to it? Some of those kind of generic questions and some, you know, more specific ones as well kind of helped us understand what the cost of the problem was. And some of those things were expressed in kind of monetary value, but some of those things were also expressed in sort of personal kind of emotional things too, which is the kind of basically the kind of worry that they were going to get in a lot of trouble from the chief executive for not being able to to deliver on the launch. So we basically were able to kind of establish a sort of relationship with them. We were also able to kind of put a kind of figure to it, and we were able to kind of sort of say to them, "Look, we will solve that. We will solve this problem for you." We will we will unplug we will unblock the system so that you are able to do this launch, and we will do it in the time that you're able to that you need it done, 
And the, the anchor that we were putting to them, essentially, was kind of based on the hundreds of millions that they had invested in developing the in developing the product. So in the end, we kind of sold them a process, which was three days of workshop. But the three days of workshop were sold for $175,000. And they were sold for that amount because the cost of making the problem go away, as they had sort of articulated to us, was so, so significant that actually the idea that they could make that problem go away by investing $175,000 felt very, very small in comparison. Now, if we'd gone in saying, no, our three-day workshop cost $175,000, they would have kind of laughed us out of the room and said, there's no way we're going to do that. That's completely ridiculous. But because we had explored it via the lens of what is the problem, how much do they really want it to go away? What's the cost of not making it go away? Then our solution is small in comparison to that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, many multiples smaller, you know. Yeah. Sounds, you know, but but the, the, the key thing with that is that we the lead was not our service, our way of making the problem go away. Like I said, if we come by saying we have a way of making these things go away and they cost $175,000 without establishing really what the value was via their lens, it, we never would have got anywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, whilst the, the kind of amounts are either relevant or not relevant to this conversation, I think the important thing is if we had led with our assumption about what the right kind of product or service was and, and our idea about what the cost of that would be without establishing the value of that in their minds first, we never would have got anywhere. And so it's the, we had the opportunity in that instance because there was the relationship, because it was, you know, it was being done in discussion to really, really understand what that was. And then we were able to provide that solution. It was over three days, and they happily paid one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to translate that to like, you know, one-on-one -on -one work. But um, yeah, I mean, that example the example makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, when they're buying, are they buying as an individual or are they buying via their company? Because that also, again, has a big bearing on what somebody is willing and able to pay, of course. Yeah, sure, sure. No, in this in this particular product I'm talking about, it's individuals paying mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the only thing I'd say is that if you are putting these prices on the website, as you say, they are anchoring, essentially. And so yeah. if, the, if the objective is that you're selling it for 15,000, there should be something on the website which is considerably more than that. Because otherwise you're anchoring from the price that you want to sell. And then that, that won't work out for you. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That 15,000 is kind of, is kind of the number. We don't, we expect very few people to actually take that. You know, mm -hmm. that is like, that's the, that's the stretch anchor actually for us. Right, you know? okay. The second tier down from that is like around six thousand, you know. Mm -hmm. So, the you know what we expect is that most people are going to take the six thousand, you yeah. know. And we ha we have we have another version that's slightly less as well, you yeah. know. So um, that that's how we're trying to do it. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it would it would be it'd be great to like figure out what are those questions that can. And I'm not saying we need to do this here. I mean, just maybe, you know, it's just an open open question to, to consider mm -hmm. is how, what are those questions that help some, an individual? Because there are a lot of people in Happy Startup. I have a question for you, know? Dave. Yeah. How much is that worth to you? <laughs> what? Answering those questions. Oh, 
Uh, good question. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's so hard to pick a, pick a value, but I mean, if it helped me get like, if it helped me get, you know, five, six people at like, uh, you know, six thousand, like a $6,000 price point, you know, I would probably pay, I would pay like, yeah, I would pay a few thousand to, to have that, to have that happen, you know? Um, th but I'd have to be really sure that that would happen. And that's the process that you're trying to take other people through. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what it, like, that's a good question you asked me, you know, what's it worth to me to have that? Um, okay. I mean, so do you think, so is that, is that the question that's going to be not like, what's, what's it worth to you to have a jo joy in your life? Not so much the question, but that's the, that's the position you want someone to be in, to be able to say, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> if I can yeah. get 36 grand's worth of clients and I spend three grand on this, that's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, yeah. And so whether, you know, and this is why I think where Ben was talking to, we can't give you the, the specifically the question. Okay. But we can, and the purpose of this conversation, the course we're doing is like getting into that mindset of actually what the customer is wanting to be able to easily to easily buy you and what is yeah. it going to make them feel more confident and comfortable to easily pay you that price and buy you at that price you know one of one of the the modules on the course is just exclusively dedicated to this the, the questions and how to have these conversations because in this is where you kind of unlock it and just so just one other thing that i would sort of say if you're putting the the 15000 up as an anchor and you're expecting to sell about six. It is right, of course. There is there is a, a sort of smaller one, because you know what you're doing there. Which to our earlier conversation, you are controlling the comparisons, uh, and that that's the the kind of goal with the questions, with the conversation, with the dialogue. Whether you are going with published prices or whatever, is to control the comparisons. Because the more you control the comparisons, the easier it is for your clients to buy what you do. Yeah, got it. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm just seeing Becky's uh, chat about it's harder when there isn't a monetary ROI, like less tangible outcomes. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Um, you know, I think it would be really interesting at the Happy Startup School for like, because there are a lot of coaches, you know, to come to have like a database of those questions. You know, what are the questions that help your client understand the value of, uh, or like come up with an idea of the value of the work for them? You know, that well, would be, product, that would be ben. Huh? what new product idea for us, Ben. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously, coaches would totally pay for that. Absolutely, coaches would pay for that. Uh, so you're welcome. I don't even need any. You know, I don't even need any returns or anything. You're <laughs> um, but uh, but also, uh, you know, I'm going to go. I don't want to take up you know too much of this conversation. But um, uh, but you know, Ben, uh, thank you very much. And I'm interested to hear about that meditation business you're doing too. And that might be another counterexample is how mm -hmm. you're collecting that information in the meditation business you're offering. Cause mm -hmm. you know, that's on a totally different scale and spectrum than the, you know, than the hundred million dollar problem we talked yep. about. So mm -hmm. that would, and I think a lot of happy startup folks would resonate with that too. So um, yeah, I would love to hear about that, but I'll, I'll jump off then if that's okay to, to. No worries. Well, no, thank you very much, okay. Dave. That's really useful to, to be able to like dig into that. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much guys. All right. Don't know how to leave. Uh, <laughs> you can't, you're in forever. <laughs> Now that tested you there, Ben. It did. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope I hope that was uh, useful to everyone else who's listening. And if you're listening to the recording, um, particularly if you are a coach, uh, 
I'm sure um, I'm sure you resonate with the same challenges Dave has. Uh, my reflection on this, and even reading recently a book called The Prosperous Coach, is that <clears throat> as a coach, you're always coaching, and whoever you talk to, you're not selling to them. You're trying to help them get the clarity as to what is this worth to me, and getting to that space of like, ah, this makes sense as a decision. Otherwise, you're just basically giving them a box and saying, is this worth this much money for you? And I don't think that that's a really hard thing to do as a coach or, you know, and it isn't, I think a lot of coaches want to do because what you want is really to work with people you really enjoy working with rather than just sell stuff to people. Any final reflections, Ben? No, I mean, I think uh, something that uh, Becky mentioned that it's harder where there isn't a, a kind of monetary ROI. I think that that's, of course, true. But equally, and, and as David sort of saying, you know, like you particularly, Becky, you know, I know from experience and, and kind of David too, actually, whilst the coaches in the Happy Start School would really all want this kind of, you know, this list of questions to ask. Actually, the coaches in Happy Startup community are the ones who have the questions which uncover this. And the thing then is just about how you start to kind of bring those clues back to a thing which you can start to explore kind of numbers against. But actually, the coaches have these bullets. The kind of the art, the play then is how you start to kind of frame that with 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 kind of monetary comparisons. And what springs to mind to me is that the, it, it, the value isn't in the questions. The value is in the practice and the confidence to ask the questions and then to use that information to do something with it. And um, that's a, that's about a space accountability and and some way to just process what's going on. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Again, you know, I want the thing, but actually it's the outcome that's important. And how do I get there in the most effective way? Cool. Thank you very much, Ben. This was a long one this time round. <laughs> but I hope it's it's uh, been super value with that, valuable with that, that specific um, situation that we're trying to tackle. So until next week, uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, and, yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, chat soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and this idea of waking up to money, then you may be interested in our Happy Pricing Manifesto and course. Go to our website at happypricing.co where you can download the manifesto and also get a copy of our Happy Pricing Canvas. The manifesto is our declaration of what we believe is important for pricing well and pricing happy. The Canvas is a tool to help you make sense of the prices you currently set and what you can do to price more methodically and confidently. Twice a year, we also run our Happy Pricing course, where you'll get the chance to learn more deeply the ideas we share on the podcast with the guidance and support of Ben and the cohort of like-minded peers who'll be doing the course with you. Please register to the course if you'd like to get alerted of when we're running it next go to the website, again, happypricing.co forward slash course. Also, please remember to follow us on Spotify and to share this episode and links to the podcast with any friends you think would find it useful. If you'd like to ask your questions live on our Waking Up To Money show, then register to our Crowdcast channel by going to 
ahappy.link forward slash waking up to money. See you soon.